Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Church Online this weekend. If I've never had an opportunity to meet you, my name is Matt. I'm our Bayville campus pastor here at New Beginnings, and I'm honored to be able to share the word with you this weekend on Church Online. And we are finishing, actually, our series on foundations this weekend. And this has been a 12-part series, and we've been doing this series because it is so important. I believe each and every one of us, if someone were to ask us, do you hope 2022 is the best year of your life? I believe we would say yes. I believe each and every year that comes up, we hope is the best year in our life. Well, what's the most important thing about that? What actually is the best year of our life? Because when we think about that, we can think, well, the best year of my life would be if I start making more money, or if I do this, or if I get this promotion, or if I get that, whatever it may be. And none of that stuff is necessarily bad. But really, the most important thing we should want to be doing each and every year is growing closer to God knowing more about his word. Amen. So we started this year off with this series on foundations because it is so important to build a strong foundation in our life. And in order to do that, our foundation needs to be built on the word of God. So I pray through this series and you could watch all of our um, past messages um, online if you missed any, but you know, maybe some of you here, you're just beginning to build your foundation. And now after this, after these 12 weeks, you feel like I have a foundation that is built now, a foundation that is strong. Maybe some of you had a foundation, but you've noticed throughout this series, there were some cracks in your foundation and you've noticed areas you need to fill in those cracks or, or maybe your foundation is strong and you're just continue to strengthen it and strengthen it and strengthen it. So we're finishing this series on foundations with an extremely important topic as we as we finish this that we need to make sure that we build build our foundation on and that is the love of God the love of God it is so important to know about the love of God about the love of our heavenly father and i want to start the message off with a quote and this quote is about the power of God's love by Dr. Charles Stanley and he says this he says believe it or not the greatest need people express is for love People want to know someone loves them and will go to any extreme to find this. They move from relationship to to relationship thinking the next person they meet will be satisfied. They will be satisfied, but it never happens. They come up empty-handed, feeling more alone, unloved, and mistreated than ever. There is only one person who can meet all of your needs, especially the need to be loved, and that is Jesus Christ. And, you know, that is so true. And I've seen it. I've heard it. People sometimes will go. They'll go from relationship to relationship because they're looking for somebody that has that love. And, you know, human love is great. But human love, sometimes, you know, somebody can say they love you. And then the next day, maybe they don't anymore. But God's love is constant. God's love is forever. And that is the only love that will truly ever fill us. We could go around our whole life searching for other things to fill us that we will always come up empty. Maybe they temporarily fill us, but it will not be forever. Only Jesus and his love can do that, his love alone. And, you know, the subject of God's love is really one of the most empowering subjects there is in the word of God. It has the potential to release us into a future with God in which there are no limits to what we can experience and what we can accomplish for him. And it's so true. When we know, when when we know we're rooted in God's love for us, we're going to get to this later in the message, but that will cast out fear in us. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. There won't be fear. It says there's no, in perfect love, there is no fear. 
when we know God's love for us, we won't be afraid to step out. Because why? We know no matter what, we have a heavenly father that loves us. We won't be afraid to feel alone. By that, I'm not talking about, I mean, like, sometimes if, if you feel lonely, it's because there's other people not with you. And, you know, I could get that. I used to be able to get that where I would start to feel lonely. But the truth is, is God is always with us. His love is always there. You're truly never alone. You truly are never alone. And it's so important to know the, the, word, the word of God, what the word of God says on God's love. But however, when we misunderstand and incorrectly believe, have an incorrect belief on the love of God, it has the potential of tormenting us with the prospects of living in an inescapable past. And you see that with many people. It's hard for them to get out of their past and they wonder, how can God love me? I've done this. And, and that's true because they don't know what the word of God says about his love. But I want to go to the gospel of John here. In, starting in um, chapter 21 and verses 2 to 18. And this is so powerful and it's important. See, Jesus now, in the Gospel of John, Jesus has died. He was buried and he rose again. And he's going to end up revealing himself to the disciples now. But let's pick up. And it says, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Keep that in mind. That's very important. They also said to, they said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were, sorry. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The point in reading this scripture here is for us to learn from Peter's mistake. See, verse three states, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And then they said to him, we are going with you also. And then what happened? We see they immediately went out and got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Now, if you know Peter's story about his first time meeting Jesus, it's very similar. Peter's out on the boat. He's fishing. He catches nothing. And Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus tells him to cast, cast a net over. And it's the same thing. They pull up so many fish and Jesus says, leave the fish and come with me. 
and I'll make you a fisher of men. And they go and they leave and they start walking with Jesus, doing ministry with Jesus. Now, in this now we see, you see Peter, he was the first to vocalize what the others had already been thinking. And notice, they went out and immediately got into the boat. See, they had lost a perspective here of the power of God's love. They forgot, they've completely forgotten about his promises and they turned back to their own resources. They went back to their own resources of, hey, we got to provide for ourselves now. Let, let's go, let's go fish, let's do this, let's do this in our own power, let's do this in our own strength. Peter is still probably dwelling on his past failures, thinking about the night that he betrayed Jesus when Jesus said, you will betray me, and Peter betrays him three times. And Peter is probably still dwelling on that. He's dwelling on his past failures. He's dwelling in guilt and condemnation. And he's still wrestling maybe with some uncertainty of the love Jesus had promised him and the plan Jesus has for him. And how do we know this? Because, well, we see it's the first thing Jesus addresses with Peter. He says, do you love me more than these? He's talking about the fish in this instance, not the other disciples. What was saying, Jesus was saying, Peter, my love for you is greater than you you betraying me. Don't let your past failure determine your future. I told you that I would make you a fisher of men. See, Jesus told Peter, I will make you a fisher of men. And that promise, when he told him that, what was going to happen to Peter, that wasn't something that was going to stop when Jesus fulfills Jesus's mission. When he died and he rose, he was buried. No, Peter continues to be a fisher of men. And we see this. And Peter is an absolutely, he helped start the early church. He's, he's such an important part of it. And we see that in the book of Acts here. And Jesus asked him, do you love me three times? And what happened? Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter, now Jesus asked him, do you love me? Three times. And then he points him in the direction Jesus has already planned for him. And that is feed my sheep. He's saying, Peter, the plan for you has never changed. Yeah, you've made some mistakes. You denied me, but my love is greater than that. Jesus knew Peter's heart. He knew what Peter was feeling. And he says, feed my sheep. And here's the thing. That's the danger that we can get into when we don't know the love of God. Because when we don't know the love of God, we don't know that he truly loves us. Because the fact of the matter is this, wherever you are and you're watching this is you are human. You're not perfect. Now, as we grow in our relationship with Christ, our goal should be to become more Christ-like, to look more like Jesus. But the truth is, is there was only one perfect person to ever walk this earth, and that was Jesus and Christ and Jesus himself. We do fall short. We do sin. And if we don't know the love of God, when we make a mistake, or we briefly, could even be briefly, veer off path, and we do something we knew we shouldn't have done, when we think now God is condemning us and judging us and doesn't love us, what happens? We normally will resort to going back to our past just like Peter did. He went back to who he was before that instance he had with Jesus the first time on the boat when Jesus called him out of the boat and said, become a fisher of men. And that could happen with us. If we don't know the love of God and you, you make a mistake and then you just go, well, what's the point? And you go back to who you were before Jesus. You go back to before you had that life change. But when you grasp the love of God, you will go, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Lord, forgive me for I've shown short and you'll receive his forgiveness and you will know how much he loves you and that you don't need to carry that shame. You don't need to carry that guilt on anymore. And he still has good plans for you. He still has a purpose for your life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. You know, I think all of us occasionally 
have the built-in power of losing sight of the power of God's love, forgetting his promises and then turning back to our own resources because we feel like now we have to do it all on our own, that we are on our own, which we know is not true at all. And I believe that the cause of this disconnect that sometimes we can have for God is our failure to understand how his love manifests towards us. So that's what we're going to be doing here. We're going to be looking at how the love of God is manifested towards us. Well, number one is an acceptance. Acceptance. And acceptance, what is that? Well, that, that is something that causes us to sigh a breath of relief when we come into relationship with the Lord. We know now we are accepted. We are accepted. You know, you if you think about it, if you stop and you go back to as early as you can remember in your childhood, because I know for me, if I go back and think as early as I can in my childhood, we're always fighting for acceptance. We want to know that we have acceptance from our parents, right? Then maybe we want to know we have acceptance from our relatives. We want to know we have acceptance from our friends, maybe from our teachers as we're in school, whatever it may be. We're always fighting for acceptance. And sometimes people will go to do crazy, go to crazy lengths and to do things they shouldn't do to feel accepted, to feel like they fit in, to feel accepted. You know, I could think, I know me in school, in school, especially middle school, very insecure. Um, and, you know, there'd be groups of people or cliques or whatever it may be. And I would try to try to fit in with them, maybe change what I was wearing, change what I would say, change how I look. So I would hope that they would accept me and I could fit in. And, you know, if we're not careful, that doesn't stop just when we're a kid. That can go all the way until we grow up and we're very old. People will just do anything to be accepted in a certain relationship for that, to feel acceptance from that person. Because I think we all crave that. We all crave acceptance, knowing that we are accepted. But the truth is, is when you give your life to Jesus, you are accepted. You're accepted into the family of God. You're accepted. Now, you don't need to fight for acceptance from God. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. The message translation says, Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in his mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is God's beloved, as we just read there, and we are accepted because we are in him. We are now in Christ. Mark 1.11 says, Then a voice came from heaven and says, You are my beloved son. God was talking to Jesus here, in whom I am well pleased. God is well pleased with Jesus. He's, he's accepted. And we are accepted in the beloved because now when you give your life to Jesus, you are now in Christ. You don't need to doubt. You don't need to worry about it. If you have acceptance from God, you do. And you can rest in that. You don't need to try to, um, you know, fit in. No, you are in the family of God. You are accepted in the beloved. Amen. Number two, the power of God's love brings us into his peace. This is extremely important. The power of God's love brings us into his peace. And I'm not talking about a normal peace here. I'm not talking about a peace that is dictated by our emotions or dictated by our circumstances. No, I'm talking about a peace that can only come from God and God alone. A peace that when things seem to be falling around us, we could still have peace. A peace that when our day doesn't go as planned and something comes out of left field that we weren't expecting, we could still have peace. Why? Because our peace 
Our true peace needs to be found in Christ and Christ alone. And our true peace really comes from the power of God's love. I'm going to read through a couple of scriptures here. In Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God now because of what Jesus has done. John 14, 27, Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. You know, peace of mind and heart. I think that is what many people are striving for and want to experience today. Many people, all of us want to have peace right? We want to have peace of mind and, and heart. And that is only found in Jesus alone. Jesus says, I'm giving you a peace that the, listen, that the world cannot give you. He's saying, don't be troubled or afraid. When you rest in God's love and you know, no matter what happens, he's there with you. No matter what happens, his love doesn't change. There is a peace there. There's a peace of mind and heart. And I want to encourage you, if you are feeling something in the inside of you that when you just hear that scripture, you're going, man, I want that peace of mind. I want that peace of heart. Start to rest in the love of God. Start to just declare, God, I thank you that you love me. God, I thank you that I am accepted, Lord. And you will see there will be a peace that starts to come. Get rid of, if you've been somebody that your peace is dictated on your job or on your, your friends or on your circumstances or on your emotions, how you're doing, get rid of that. Get rid of that because you're not going to find true peace in that. You'll find moments of peace. You're not going to find true peace. Your true peace needs to be found in Christ, in Christ alone. 1 John 4, 16 to 18. One of my favorite parts of scriptures in the whole Bible. And I'll share with you how this had an impact on my life. It says, God is love and all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. This scripture is a scripture I've known for a long time. But this scripture impacted me one time. We were actually in service. And um, we were in service. And at the time, I was kind of going through something. And I was experiencing some worry, some fear. And um, one of the pastors got up to share a word that he felt that God had him to share. It was during worship. And he pretty much shared that scripture in 1 John. And as he's reading the scripture, when he got to that verse 18, he says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And then he elaborated on it. But as he read that scripture, man, I'm just, I had my hands up worshiping and it was like something just left me. That fear just left me because I just, it, I've known that scripture, but it, I don't know how to explain it other than it just became real to me in that moment, that Lord, your love does cast out fear in my life. I don't need to fear. I don't need to worry because I have your love and your love will expel that fear in me. And I'm telling you, it was like something lifted off of me in that moment. Perfect love casts out all fear. 
but you need to experience that perfect love. You need to know and you need to make sure you remind yourself about that perfect love that we have with the Father. That's what we have. We have, he says, his perfect love will cast out all fear. See, without an accurate understanding of the love of God and the application of it on our part every day, there can never be true peace. If you think God loves you based upon what you're doing or how you're doing or your goodness or your good acts or whatever it may be, you're not gonna really experience that perfect love because what? You're gonna fall short at some point. You're gonna do something and then what? You're gonna think, well, did I lose God's love now? Then what happens? When you start wondering, did I lose God's love? This is love not there. The enemy comes right in and then you start feeling that fear. You start feeling worry. You start feeling doubt, whatever it may be. We need to apply that we know we have the love of God and we need to apply it to every part of our everyday lives. See, possessing God's love, knowing about his love, results in fearless confidence towards God and the love for the brethren. Because when we know God's love, we experience that perfect love, we know, God, you want what's best for me. And God, I want your best in my life. And Lord, and it even goes further than that, because see, what happens is when we start experiencing that, our overflow comes. We get filled with his love and our overflow comes, and then it gets extended to others around us. You will actually start to see other, when you're walking in you in a, in a boldness, in a confidence, so to say, about God's perfect love for you. It's going to change you, but it will also change the way you see others because it'll be an overflow. You will start seeing others how Jesus sees them. You will start seeing others with love because you'll know that God loves them as well. And number three, when we know about God's love, what does it do? Well, it brings freedom from guilt and condemnation. God's love brings freedom from guilt and condemnation. 2 Corinthians 5 18 to 19 says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's good news. And I want to read now Romans chapter eight, which in my opinion is one of the most powerful chapters there is in the entire Word of God. In chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, Paul writes, and you want to talk about somebody that experienced the love of God, that knew about the love of God. See, Paul had a past that probably, I would say, was way worse than mostly all of us, if not all of us. He had people, Christians, killed, arrested. Then he had that encounter with Jesus, changed his life, started to understand God's love. You want to talk about somebody that could have carried around that guilt and condemnation in their life for what he did in his past life. But Paul knew about God's love. He knew about his love. He knew about his perfect love for him. And he writes this in Romans 8. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Jesus Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean 
He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Dr. Bill Bright at the Campus Crusade for Christ said this. He says, more than anything else, I was drawn to Christ because of his love for me. The Bible says that Christ proved his supernatural love for us by coming to die for us while we were still sinners. Think of it. Christ's forgiveness is so great and compassionate that he will not allow anything or anyone to condemn us or condemn us or separate us from his supernatural love. All our love is found in Jesus. See, all these expressions are found in Jesus himself. And the greatest demonstration of God's love, Jesus was the greatest demonstration of God's love. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for us. And when we make him our savior and our Messiah and our master of our life, our savior, his powerful love will begin to transform us. Before I do this, I want to give us an action step and we're going to make a confession together, but I want to make sure if there's anybody watching this at any time, that if you have not experienced God's love, that you would have the opportunity to do that. The Apostle Paul, who we read his words right now in Romans chapter 8, he was a man that his life was completely changed and he understood the love of God. And in two chapters later in Romans 10, because we've been talking about, well, how are we accepted? Well, we say it as salvation. You might have heard the word salvation or being born again. Then what is that? Well, that's giving our life to Jesus, that's surrendering our life and realizing we cannot do this life alone and that we need a Savior. And, well, how do we do that? And what qualifies us, so to say, for that? Well, Paul writes in Romans 10, he says, if you believe that Jesus, if you truly believe that Jesus is God's Son, if you believe that He went to the cross to die for your sins and you believe that He rose again, he says, when you believe that with the heart and confess that with the mouth, you are saved. And then it says, you become a new creation. You become a new person. The old is gone. The new is here. And you begin to experience the love of God, grow in the love of God. So I want to make sure I give everybody that's watching this an opportunity to receive that gift, that gift of grace, that gift of salvation, because it is a decision. See, God loved the world so much, he sent his son to die for all of us. So we would have an opportunity to come into relationship with him through what Jesus did, accomplished at the cross. But it is a decision. To make Jesus your savior is a decision that you need to make here while you're on earth. Again, 
It's declaring what you believe. When you believe that in your heart and declaring it with your mouth, it's coming to the conclusion of, I can't do this life alone. And I, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to I wanna follow you all of my days. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you that you love me. And I want to follow you. So what I want to do is lead us all into that salvation prayer. So wherever you are, if you could just bow your head and shut your eyes, I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And just pray this with me. And know that if you're praying this for the first time, you become born again. You become a new creation. It says God's spirit comes to live on the inside of you. God's spirit seals you. Your eternity is secure. So if you just bow your head, shut your eyes, and we can all, again, pray this together. So let's pray this. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he went to the cross for my sins and that he died for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. So this day, I acknowledge that I need a savior and I repent of my old ways. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I surrender my life to you and I'm going to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you pray that prayer for the first time, you become born again. So say, God's Spirit lives inside of you. You're a child of God. You're in the family of God. You are accepted in the Beloved. And we would love to know that. So, so please click that. I think there's a link um, in the profile there. You can click to let us know that you received Jesus so we can connect with you because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we want to help you in any way that we can because this is not the end of your journey. It is the beginning of your journey. And now before we do go, I do want to make sure we give us an action item for what we've learned. And I also want to make us, I want us to do, what I want us to do is I want us to make a confession that we can all make a faith confession about this because i pray that we will all walk in the love of God, to know that if you've been struggling with feeling accepted, that you would leave now wherever you are in your house. And after this message, you would know I'm accepted. I don't need to fight for acceptance. I am accepted. So let's make this confession together. You ready? Let's say this together. I determine to express my gratitude to God for his great love for me by loving him in return and by faith loving everyone with whom I have contact with today. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I will demonstrate that love by gracious acts on behalf of my Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. Walk in that perfect love. Go show that love to others. Let that love overflow out of you onto others. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you all. We love you. We are praying for you, and I pray that you have a blessed week, that you experience the power of God's love, and that it overflows from you to others this week. God bless you.